I, I want to start a little bit tonight by just telling you, lately I, I heard a little saying. I, um, Pastor Paul and I are a part of a um, pastor's group. Um, we have some dear friends that we've gotten close to out in Texas. And um, I, I just recently read a little testimony that one of the daughters uh, wrote. Her, her daddy and mama pastor a church out in, in Texas. And the daughter's in college. And she wrote a little uh, a little email, sent it out, and I, I was reading a little devotional. And um, one of the things that she said that just struck me is her mom came in one day and said to her, she said, Honey, you're the most important preacher you're ever going to hear. And let me tell you something. When that girl, that young college girl, heard those words from her mother, she was in a deep, dark place. She had fallen into a pit, to say the least. She was pretty down and depressed. And her mom drove over to where she was in college, probably three or four hours. And that was the word she spoke to her. Baby, you're the most important preacher you're ever going to hear. Think about that for a minute. You're the most important preacher you're ever going to hear. You are. And you know, Paul's granny, Sarah's mother, she says it like this. She says, you know, you got to talk to yourself. If you're ever around Granny much, that's one of the things she always says is you got to talk to yourself. So in other words, when no one's around to affirm you, guess what? You better start speaking. You better start prophesying over yourself. You hear what I'm saying? And we're in a place right now where we got to teach this to the next generation. Because let me tell you, the friends aren't all that affirming all the time. And so it's not, it's not only important that we learn how to do this, but it's important that we learn how to pass this on to our kids. And I see that. I get that. Now let's just take a look at David. And David is defined in Acts 13 as a man after God's own heart. And he was a man who would do the will of God. That's what God thought about David. If you look that up, that's in Acts 13, 22. He's a man after God's own heart. Well, let's look at how David got his start. And you know, David um, spent time, if you ever read Psalms, so many of our Psalms are written by David. Look up at the top and just notice that sometime, what you're reading, if it's a Psalm of David, because it'll tell you. Well, David spent his years, his early years, um, a shepherd boy, just working for his dad, taking care of the sheep. But you know what he did? Is he spent his life pouring his heart out in worship to God. He spent his time out in a field just preparing his heart. I loved that song tonight, Tammy. What was it? Lord, I'm preparing my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I will prepare him my heart. I will prepare him my heart. And I think David did that. I think he was out in those fields preparing his heart. Well, so if you look up in uh, 1 Samuel, let's look at Samuel uh, 16. And uh, Saul was king. And um, Samuel, uh, of course, Saul had, had by this point uh, had a lot of problems, had, you know, rejected uh, rejected the Lord, and Samuel uh, asked the Lord to show him who would be king next. And, and, and so here's all the, the, the boys lined up. 
And um, look at verse 7 because it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For, the, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay, God's looking at the heart. And so when he saw David lined up there with his brothers, with all the others, he was, God was looking for his heart. And he pointed Samuel to David because of his heart. Because he had spent all that time out there in the fields just worshiping and loving God. Well, um, I've got a lot to cover tonight. So if you'll skip down to 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Okay? So... um, And and let me just put this in context. It says that um, in verse 11, it says, um, where does it say he's ready? There there it is. Let's let's look at verse 11. It says, and Samuel said to Jesse, "Are, are the young men here? Are all the young men here? Then he said, these remains, there yet remains the youngest. That was David. There's, there's still yet, but the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. For we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And that was David. And that's when then I I skipped ahead and read that about the oil being poured out him. So he was the one. Well, David started out with this great call on his life. This wonderful call of God, anointed by God in his early years. And, you know, in the beginning, things looked pretty good for David. It looked pretty good um, because he was such a, um, he, he won so many battles. You know, he was just, uh, he just bravely stood up for that, to that giant. Remember the story of David and Goliath and how he stood up and he said, the battle is the Lord's and he fought it. He fought that giant and he won. And it also says there in uh, 1 Samuel 17, 37, let's look at this, and I'm just trying to summarize his life right here. It says, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw and the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That was Goliath. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And so David was good at saying He knew where his help come from, didn't he? He said, the Lord delivered me. And he bravely fought these battles. And so it's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good. And and, and really, when I look at that, I think he had a pretty rosy start. David's heart was to trust God in battles. Well, unfortunately, what happened is as he started having these successes, well, Saul got pretty jealous. And I'm just going to encourage you, sometime when you have time, go read 1 Samuel, because this is all in here. But, but Saul got pretty jealous, and the women started singing. It's uh, 1 Samuel 18, 7. What did they sing? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. David did better than Saul. And you know what? It infuriated Saul. It, it made him angry, and he started to resent him. And what happened? Um, scripture says 
in 23, verse 2, 22, sorry, 23, verse 14. It said, And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Zimp. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. That's God did not deliver David into Saul's hand. Saul sought him every day. Saul was after him. Now, can you imagine? Let's just think again about David's call. And think about that grand anointing that he had. And this is like a period, I think it's between 10 and 13 years, the best of my research ability, that it looked like this, from the time he was anointed till the time he actually became king, that he was being sought every day. Every day by Saul. Every day. Every day he was having to run and flee and hide. But let's just look at one other thing about David. We're not going to just look at one other, but... Let's look at another thing. Verse 22. Do you know who the people around David were? The 400 men that were called to be in his army? Okay, now this is a guy who has this great call on his life. And now he's got a madman running after him. Well, let's just look at who his men were. David, this is verse 22. Therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down from, from there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. That's what he did. And there were about 400 men with him. So basically that was everybody in distress, everyone in debt, everyone who was discontented. Can you imagine? That's, that's who became his 400 people, his people who were going to go in battle with him. But you know what he did? He made lemonade out of lemons. You know, he just did. He just sewed into them. He was a, he was, he wasn't, he didn't have the position as king. He was anointed as king. But he just took those men. It's like, okay, yeah, here, you guys are the one. Yeah, let's just go. We'll just go. And he just started pouring into them and raising them up. Well, let's look a little bit more at 1 Samuel. Are y'all itching to read 1 Samuel? Because I'm jumping around. Now I'm going to be in verse 30. I hope that you want to after this. Let's see, 30 verse 6. Let's look at that. But let's just start in um, verse 1. I wished I'd done that when, when he got anointed, uh, David got anointed. But let's start in verse 1. And it said, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalek, Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burnt it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. Okay, this was David's people, the, his women. This was his, this was his people. They went and attacked and burned. And, and it said, so David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, 
and their wives and their sons and their daughter had been taken, their daughters had been taken captive. That's what they walked up on. I mean, he's, he's been running from, a, from, from Saul this whole time, hiding, hiding out, being attacked. And now he's come home and, and they're gone. They're gone. They've taken everything. And it says in verse 4, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. They were just done. Have you ever just been done? It's like, you know what? I, just, I don't think I can take anymore. I, 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 don't, I don't think I can do it anymore. And, and we have wept until we just don't even have the power to weep anymore. And that's where they were. That's where David and his men were. They were just spent. And David's two wives, Ahinaam and Zezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Okay, now here's verse 6. Y'all are ready. Now David was greatly distressed, for this people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. So his people. His people. David's people. The people that really nobody wanted the people. But he saw those people and said, yep, yep, debtors, distressed, discontented, yep, love you, come on. Let's do something great. These people, these same men said, we're grieved. We're grieved and, and we're thinking about stoning you now. David, King David, by the way, anointed one. Here's the key, though. The scripture says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's what it says. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's what he did. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now I want to say that I think that must have looked something like those psalms that he, he's written. So many psalms and so many songs. I think it must have been something like with the Lord, okay, David, I've called you as a man after my own heart, and I've anointed you to be king over Israel, and that's your destiny. That's your destiny. It's your destiny to be king. It's your destiny to do something great. But will you be king when your men are currently talking about attacking you? Are you going to stand up and be king when you've lost everything? Are you going to stand in that destiny that I've called you to? When the whole world is falling apart? Are you going to be king when your team consists of a bunch of losers? And are you going to be king when that palace you were supposed to get is the wilderness? Because he was fleeing. He was out in caves and in the wilderness. That's where he was. Are you going to be king when your men turn on you and want to stone you, your closest friends. And I think for us, it may not be, are you going to be king? But are you going to step into that destiny that God's called you into? 
Are you going to stand in that destiny when it's hard? Are you going to stand and say, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord? I'm not going to run away and hide, but I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. And I think it looks like the Psalms. I think it looks like it. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And you know what? Sometimes it's just good to find the promises of God and say, Lord God, you are my strength. I'm done. I'm spent. But you're my strength. And you're my redeemer. And I'm standing on that right there. You know, Psalm 27 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but I remember the name of the Lord my God. I remember His name. And you know what? These scriptures have come alive to me at so many times in my life. I remember the name of the Lord my God. I remember that He's my healer. I remember that He's my redeemer. I remember that He's my defender. And so I encourage you to start remembering Go and visit the last 12 months of your life and say, Lord God, look at what you've done. Look at what you've done. I'm going to find something good and I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, God, how good you've been to me. You know, David's the same one who wrote Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm going to flip over the psalm since I'm in here so much. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Lord, you restore my soul. Speak it prophetically. When you see scripture like that, just say it. You know, it's like Granny says. Talk to yourself. He restores my soul. He's going to restore my soul. Every cheerleader from hell might have just descended, but God restores my soul. And he's my strength and my redeemer. And that's where I stand. That's where we stand. Flip over to Psalm 27. The Lord is the light, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So see, right here we just start saying, Lord, you're my strength. You're my light. You're my salvation. I don't have to be afraid. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, of this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. You know, I think that one thing, I think David got that one thing. I think he was that type of guy who said, I'd rather have that one thing. I'd rather seek God and dwell in His house than be anywhere else. Because you know what? His presence went with David. It was at, he was with him. He was with him. He never leaves us or forsakes us. 
You know, another one I just want to say is who is the king of glory? And it's the Lord strong in battle. So I want to encourage you tonight. Stay connected to God. I think it's so easy for us to listen to the enemy. It's so easy to agree with the lies of the enemy. And sometimes it's so subtle we don't even know we've done it. But things are spoken, wounds happen, we're hurt, we're broken, and all of a sudden we're just sunk. But I encourage you to strengthen yourself in the Lord. To strengthen yourself in the Lord. To run to God. To renew your mind. Stay connected. Stay connected to the destiny that He has for you. Because He's got a good plan. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, He says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're good. They're plans with a hope and a future. And the other thing that I want to say before we close is to watch over your heart with all diligence for out it flow the issues of life. And so you know what? When we're putting the word of God into our hearts, when we're spending time with the Lord, when we're putting that into our hearts, that's what flows out of our hearts. And have you ever been in a place, I know I've done this sometimes, where stuff just flies out of my mouth. Um, I, I have a real gross name for that. <laughs> Me and my sister-in-law call that diarrhea of the mouth. Whoops. <laughs> I just said that. That just came out of my mouth. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't know that was in my heart. I've got to guard my heart. You know, I'm talking all the time to my kids about guarding their heart. Guard what you put in your heart. Guard what you watch. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you listen to. Guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. And I think sometimes when we get in that place and stuff starts flying out of our mouth, you know what? It's a good time to just repent. It's a good time to just back up and say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't know that was in there. Who do I need to forgive? What do I need to do? Because sometimes we just get down a road we didn't mean to go down. That was Proverbs 4.23, if you want to look that up, that watch your heart with all diligence. Um, Proverbs 23.7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So be careful what you're thinking on. Be careful what's coming your way and what you're allowing into your heart. Guard your heart. I want to read one other thing, and I keep saying one other thing. I really am going to read one other thing. I just flipped over, and I literally just had to sing the song, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. <laughs> we need our Bible drillers in here. <laughs> it's Exodus is what I'm trying to get to, um, Exodus 17, and it says, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines although it was near. Can y'all catch that? It's Exodus 13, 17. It says, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. This is Israel. These are the people who've been in captive, who've been slaves. And it says that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, 
lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. And you know what? I love that. I love that God guards us and that he knows what we're ready for. And he's not going to lead us down a path that we can't handle. Because he said so clearly, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and they want to go back to Egypt. I mean, Egypt was yucky and bad. Why would you ever want to go back there? But you know what? Sometimes their hearts just want to go back there. And so he spared them. He led them a different way. He said, no, I'm not going to lead you by there. And so I think it's so good. It's so refreshing to know when you get in a hard place, God wouldn't have led me here. He's a good daddy, and he would not lead me here if he didn't think I could handle this. It's good to tell yourself here, you know what, I'm here, and God brought me here, and I can get through this because God is big enough. He's strong enough, and he's going to help me be an overcomer. He's going to help us be an overcomer. Now, my daughter, my oldest daughter, and I asked her permission before I shared this, but she is a ballerina, and she dances on point. And I don't know if you guys know what point is, but that's the ballerinas who are on their very, very tippy toes. And um, it took her years to accomplish that, years. She's been in dance since she was four years old. And that was her goal her whole life was to get those point shoes. And you know what? She got those point shoes, and they are so hard on your feet She's got calluses and blisters. I mean, she is a hard worker. She dances nine hours a week, if that tells you anything. And, uh, and she was so proud when she got her first blisters. I mean, she was like, I got blisters. It's like, don't they hurt? No, I'm so happy I have my blisters. But uh, anyways, she was doing this piece um, with Grace, the Miller's Grace. She also dances with our daughter. And um, Grace and Rita Marie were doing a um, point piece in December, and Grace just happens to be a little bit older than Rita Marie and has had more years' experience and has danced point several more times than Rita Marie has on a stage by herself. And Rita Marie was going to have to do this, and it was stressing her out. And if you know anything about my daughter, she wants to get it right. She wants it to be right. And so she was stressing herself out. I mean, she was undone to say the very least. And we started praying. We prayed and prayed and prayed. And I want to tell you, she had gotten so stressed out about it that I thought she was going to just quit. Just not quit dance, but just, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I wanted to see her overcome so bad. I wanted to see her overcome and do you know, Andrea, our sweet uh, dance teacher who's not here tonight, Andrea who just got married to Caleb, Andrea Camacho, um, I had a talk with her, and we were just talking about the stress she was under, and she's in all these honors classes, and it's not like this is the only thing she does, and it's stress. And Andrea said to me, she said, Elizabeth, I wouldn't have given her this piece if I didn't think she could do it. I know she can do it. I know she can do this physically. This girl can do this. It's her mind. She's got to overcome this in her mind. And we both agreed. And finally, at one point, Andre said to me, she said, and when she said, I wouldn't have given it to her had I not known she could do it, it makes me think of this right here.
Because that's what a good teacher does. It's what a good leader does. Is I'm not going to give you more than you can handle. Because I, I, I think you can do it. I think you can 100% absolutely do it. And do you know when the rubber met the road, and when she had to do that piece, and we had prayed and prayed and prayed, and Andrea even said, do you, if you want to pull her out, as a parent, if you want to pull her out, I understand, we'll pull her out. I mean, she's going to change the whole performance schedule. We'll pull her out. It's okay with me. And you know what I said? I said, we don't quit. We don't quit. And I looked at Rita Marie. Did we quit? You want to quit? And you know what? She said, I'm going to do it. And I went in there and watched her. And I bawled like a baby. Because you know what? She did it. And she just didn't do it. But she danced it to a song that was based on that poem, Footprints. Have you ever read that poem, Footprints, that when I couldn't walk on my own and I saw one set of footprints, it was God who carried me? That was the song she danced to. Now, how prophetic is that? That you can go in there and nail it to that song. And it was God. It was God. He carried her through. And so I want to encourage you tonight, regardless of where you are, what God has called you to, don't quit. Don't give up. Remember the calling that God has on your life and walk in that. And strengthen yourself. Go back this week. Go, go tonight and remember what he's done. And give him thanks for delivering you. So let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that we can learn from, uh, from great people in the Bible, Lord. From men like David who strengthened themselves in the Lord. When there, was, when there was no hope, when everything was shattered, when the family was gone, when everything was burned, he strengthened himself in you. And Father God, we want to do that. We want to do that. And Father God, the rest of the story that I didn't say is he gathered his men and they went and got it back. They went and rescued their women and their daughters and all of their stuff. And so, Lord God, I thank you that you're strengthening us, not just in our inner man, but you're strengthening us, Lord God, to go back and get what the enemy has taken from us. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, that we can be overcomers, that we can overcome, Lord God, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we just thank you tonight, Lord God. And I just encourage you now, congregation, if you're somebody who needs to be an overcomer tonight, I just ask you to raise your hand up to the Lord. And I just trust that he just sees those hands. I see those hands. I see them. I see them. And God sees them. And Father God, I thank you right now with these outstretched arms tonight, Lord God, that you are, are making a way, Lord God. You're making a way where it looks like there's no way. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing. Father God, we thank you that we can walk in great victory, Lord God. Even when it looks like there's no victory, Lord God, we're calling those things that aren't as though they are. They are tonight, Father God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We reach up to you, Lord God, the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you, Father. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Bless you, bless you, bless you tonight. Thank you for coming.